Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. Rabbi. The vision it's a Rebbe used to take a walk in the afternoon with his attendant, and they would walk outside of town and walk near the fields and the forests, and then they would return home. But one day, the Rebbe, rather than turning towards the fields and the forests, turned the other way and started walking towards the center of town. He walked through the poorer quarters until he reached the wealthier neighborhood, walked up to one of the houses, and knocked on the door. The door was opened by a certain wealthy Jewish banker in the community, who was not a Vizhnitzer chassid, nor was he a regular attendee at synagogue. The man, however, was respectful and said, Rebbe, this is a great honor. Please come in. The Rebbe followed him through his house into the parlor and sat there for a while. The man, in awe and respect, waited for the Rebbe to speak. Rather than speak, though, eventually the Rebbe got up and said, Okay, thank you. I'll be leaving now. Of course, the man was quite curious and said, Rebbe, why did you come? The Rebbe said, I came to do a mitzvah. And the man said, well, which mitzvah? And the Rebbe said, well, we know from our tradition that just as it is a mitzvah to rebuke someone who will listen to that rebuke, so too it is a mitzvah not to rebuke someone who won't listen. So I came to not rebuke you. And that's a mitzvah. And the man said, well, not rebuke me about what? And the Rebbe said, you don't want to know. You won't listen. And the man said, please tell me. And the Rebbe said, okay, there's this woman in the community. She's a widow. She's poor. She has a mortgage with your bank, and there's no way that she could pay it back. And the man said, Rebbe, there's nothing I can do. I'm not in charge of the mortgages. And the Rebbe said, exactly. That's why I didn't want to tell you. Have a good day. I believe this story goes on to say that somehow the man magically was able to make the woman's mortgage disappear. And this becomes a story in which not giving rebuke or pretending to not give rebuke has a positive outcome. But it is true that there is a mitzvah in the Torah to give rebuke. And it is also true, according to the Gemara, Yevamot 65b, that it is also a mitzvah to not give rebuke if that rebuke will not be received. But this does not give a person permission to simply never give rebuke, lest it not be received. The mitzvah stands just the same as we read in the Sefer HaChinuch, which is a beautiful book that lists the 613 mitzvot that was written by a man who wanted to ensure that his son 
who had reached the age of bar mitzvah, was familiar with all the mitzvot. And we read there in mitzvah number 239, to rebuke a Jewish person who's not acting appropriately. Whether this relates to mitzvot that apply between one person and another, or whether they apply to mitzvot that apply between a person and God. Just imagine for a second a world in which we take each other's relationship to God so seriously that we understand a responsibility that we have to remind each other and to help each other stay in line pertaining to that relationship with the divine. It is, of course, difficult to imagine because we live in a pluralistic or a post-pluralistic world in which it is understood that everyone's relationship to God is their personal choice. And one person is never allowed to assume that another person's relationship with God ought to be a certain way. Because a simple response would be, that's not what I believe, or that's not what I do, or I don't think that that's a mitzvah, or I don't think that that's incumbent upon me, and therefore I'm not going to do that. But the interpersonal realm, which is also addressed by this mitzvah, is one that we can imagine a bit more. Setting aside, perhaps, the elements of interpersonal relationships that are dictated by mitzvot that feel non-logical or not dictated by simple intuition about how people should relate. Even setting those aside, there are still a vast array of behaviors that are rebukable and run counter to ostensible shared values. You speak Lashon Hara about our friends. You're cheating on your spouse. And maybe a bit further out, You're lying on your taxes. You're lying to your boss about how much you work. One could certainly imagine that these types of scenarios would overlap with values that you and I ostensibly have in common. And therefore, that would be a realm in which it would theoretically be appropriate for me to rebuke you. Hey, friend, come on. You're better than that. We both know this isn't the right way to act. And yet I suspect from my own personal experience and from conversations with others and from observation that it is very difficult. It is uncomfortable to speak to someone else and to say or to imply you're doing something wrong. You should be acting or behaving or deciding differently than you are right now. So again, in summary, it is awkward. It is difficult. But the reason why we might be exempt from doing it is not because it might be awkward or difficult. The reason why we would be exempt from doing it is only if it will not be listened to. 
but if it might be heeded and listened to, even if it is awkward and difficult, we are still yet commanded by the Torah to perform this act of rebuke. And in fact, according to the Talmud and according to subsequent writings, we are required to push the matter. We are required to push the envelope and to try again and again and again and again and again, five times or even more to make the point that the person shouldn't be acting this way. We might even need to push the envelope until we reach the point where the person becomes angry and it seems like they might hit you. But thankfully, we're told that we don't need to go to the point where if the person seems like they might kill you, if that's the sense that you get, then you can certainly stop beforehand. So the mitzvah of rebuke, as difficult and awkward as it is, it stands as a mitzvah. As the Sefer HaChinuch says, Noheget mitzvah zu, this mitzvah is active and is followed, v'chomakom, in all places, v'cholzman, and at all times, v'zacharim, v'nekevot, for male and female, v'over aleha, v'lochiach, binan shamarnu, and a person who has not done this difficult task has violated a positive commandment. Which doesn't, of course, make it easy. It just makes it necessary that we may have to speak to people about whom we care and talk to them about how they're acting and try to convey to them with whatever tools we have that, in our opinion, they're acting in a way which is not commensurate with the values by which they should be operating. And the fact is, it has never been easy we find already back in the time of the Talmud, Rabbi Akiva said, I would be shocked if there is a person in this generation who's able to give rebuke effectively. And this is Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was the best of the best in a generation of superheroes, in a generation of incredible human beings. And he was saying already at that time, I don't think there's anyone in our generation who's able to give rebuke effectively. All the more so in a generation that is somewhat less refined, one could imagine just how difficult it would be to do this effectively. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, in the eighth lesson of the second part of Likute Maharan, which is colloquially called Tiku Tochacha, a lesson which deals with the blowing of the shofar, and also deals with this difficult mitzvah of tochacha, of rebuke, he says there, when the rebuker is not fitting to rebuke, then then not only does it not benefit to give tochacha, his tochacha, but the person brings out the bad smell, of the people who are hearing this rebuke. Ki al tochachto, for by means of his rebuke, hum orer harech ra, shalhamasim raim, umidot raot, shalhanashim shehum mochicham. He rouses the bad smell of the harmful actions and the bad character traits of the people whom that person is rebuking. 
And this, says Rabbi Nachman, has the opposite effect of what is desired, rather than rousing these people towards teshuvah and towards more refined action and towards coming close. The rebuker weakens their souls. And then all of the shefa, all of the abundance, which is coming through all the worlds and is dependent upon these souls, is stopped up. On the other hand, but when the rebuker is fitting to rebuke, then the opposite. He adds a good fragrance to the souls by means of that rebuke. So, according to Rabbi Nachman, the parameters of good tochacha require that the rebuked person feels better about themselves than when they started. They feel the reach tov, the good fragrance that comes out of their soul. And the example that Rabbi Nachman gives is no less than Moshe, Moses, rebuking the Jewish people at the time of the Egil, the golden calf. That was a crucial moment in the history and development of the Jewish people. Forty days after hearing God's own voice on Harsinai, on the mountain, they made a gold cow and prayed to it. We get a sense from reading the story that there was a certain insanity that took over the Jewish people at that time. And when they woke from it, and looked back with an honest eye at the actions that they had taken in making this gold cow and worshiping it, they could have felt so bad about themselves that they would simply quit. They would simply quit the project of trying to bring the Torah and divinity into this world. How could they possibly justify themselves? How could they possibly see themselves in a positive light? But this is specifically the role of Moshe. Moshe needs to reflect to them the seriousness of what they did wrong and yet give them hope that there's a future for them, that this doesn't define them, that they can still make a go, still be God's people, still serve, still bring that Torah and that divinity into the world. How would a person do that? Only a master rebuker could look at those people who had done that thing and turn it around to the point where they simultaneously understand how terrible it was to do that, and yet, at the same time, continue to believe in themselves and their ability to complete this project. There's much to talk about in terms of the art and the challenge of tochacha, of rebuke. Let this be a first installment, an opening of the topic that obviously requires deeper study and deeper inquiry in order to figure out who and how and what and when we can both participate in the process of giving tochacha and also learn how to receive tochacha in an effective way in order for us to release that beautiful smell, that beautiful fragrance, and for us to be able to participate in the process of the unfolding of the great project to which we have been invited.